We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel and special guest with us today, draft guru, Dalton Pence. Dalton, how are we doing? I like that, Nick. That sounds a hell of an intro. I'm doing just fine. How are y'all fellas doing? I always become smarter whenever I podcast with Dalton, so I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> well, you know what, Dalton, if there's one place where you do sound like a guru, you know, you were on here when the Nets drafted Nick Claxton and you were hyping him up. And I think Nets fans can appreciate that because he's really kind of showcased that potential. And there's a lot of, you know, optimism about what he can do moving forward. And we're going to talk about some possibilities today about what the Nets can do at 27, what they can do in the second round, or if it makes more sense to even trade the pick. But as always, you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms. And just to go over the picks the Nets do have, they have number 27 in the first round, number 44, 49, and 59 in the second round. Now, just going straight to that 27 pick, Dawn, what do you think are some options for the Nets in terms of, you know, players they could draft that would be ready to play rotation minutes now? Yeah. So um, really before we get into that, you kind of have to talk about kind of the mantra and the mentality of, you know, what title contenders look at. You know, there's when I was looking at, there's basically two schools of thought. You have the whole best player available, um, you know, type of drafting, which is probably the more popular way. Um, but you also have the pick based upon need. And um, as, you know, as obvious as it, as it seems, there's no true need for the Nets in terms of like a starting lineup thing. So really it's going to be depth. There's a lot coming off their books. Um, you know, when I look at the Nets situation, it's all different really based upon the cap. But um, I think, you know, trading it probably should be off the table because, you know, having these guys on small contracts really is valuable. Um, so when I look at the nets where they are right now, it, it just doesn't make sense to me to take a guy that you're, you're going to take just to try to build them up over the next coming years. You want to get guys that can come in right away and produce. Right. So when I look at players that I, I've scouted, that would make a lot of sense at, at Brooklyn. Um, you know, one guy that I look at is Io DeSumo out of Illinois. Um, I, I, you know, a lot of these guys can play on or off ball. And then when you're playing an offense, you know, James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, it's a very valuable skill to be able to not only handle the ball, but also be able to play off the ball based upon situations. Io DeSumo is a good one. 
uh, Cam Thomas. I'm really kind of looking at backcourt guys that they can plug in right away and give them some scoring off the bench. Yeah, that definitely is a need, too. I mean, you could look at, you know, the potential of going after guard, go after forward, go after center. Like you said, there's no true need, so they can kind of be, you know, opportunistic with this pick. What are you thinking, Jack? Yeah, I've, I've had a little bit of a look at uh, Desumbo in terms of what he can do as a bit of a, like a combo guard. And, you know, the mocks have him sort of going everywhere as, as high as 15 from the NBA mock draft. And then Bleach Report has him going 34th, um, at least in, in the research that I was sort of doing. In terms of the, the the best value that you can sort of get, I guess, Dalton, you know, rookie guards is always a, a questionable fit unless you don't get LaMelo Ball. Right. Is there, a, is there a, a way where, you know, the Nets could rely on, on Dasun Mu to actually provide them, I guess, some steadiness with that second unit? Yeah, I actually think so. And that's kind of where you have to... Obviously, I think it's cliche to say it's all based upon how you how you scout guys. But I think, um, you know, one of the biggest telling is uh, how successful they were in college. I think that that really kind of correlates uh, directly with how successful they'll be in the NBA right away. And guys like, you know, Io DeSumo, um, Jared Butler is another one that I was going to mention. Guys that love Butler. Oh, man, I love him. Got cleared. Great news to hear that that uh, heart issue is not going to be. Uh, something that's going to hold him back. That's great news for him. He's a guy that I'd like the Rockets to take at 23 or 24 just because of the fact that both of these guys you can plug in. Not only are they going to give you a very versatile offensive skill set, but one thing that I like and one thing that I think Brooklyn will really be able to use is how much they bring to the table defensively. You know, they're guys that go after the ball at all times. Um, and, a, you know, not maybe not a potential lockdown defender at the next level, but definitely more than serviceable above average. So I think if either of these guys are available at 27, for me, it's a no brainer. Jack, you mentioned I'm glad you did. You know, Io's stock is all over the place. If you talk to different people, I think guys like DeSumo actually go a little higher, um, late, you know, when it comes to late in the first round just because of the, you know, red ability and being able to play them right away. So I think, you know, I, I don't see why not the sumo could come in or Jared Butler could come in right away and be able to lead the second unit, respectively. With Butler, I guess, Dalton, obviously, you know, the experience and the, the winning pedigree is there. You know, a, a great microwave sort of scorer. But the defense, I guess, looking at, I guess, his profile in terms of, like, you know, the wingspan isn't necessarily all there. You know, only 6'4 wingspan. You know, DeSumo has a, a decent enough wingspan in that respect. You know, if you have your choice, you're Sean Marks and you're using that 27 pick, both of these guys are available. Is it Butler? Is it DeSumo? Is it, is it someone else? Well, it is a million really dollar question. Um, I, that, that's what sucks about talking about, you know, like a late first round pick, any pick in the, you know, lottery on just because you have no clue how this is going to turn out. That's the beauty of it all. But if I'm, if all of those guys that we've just talked about are there at 27, I'm going to go with Io. But really, just based upon his athleticism, I think they're very comparable prospects. They're both 3 and D guys. Um, I think Io's ceiling is a little higher because he's just so quick. Really kind of reminds me of like a De'Aaron Fox light. Uh, they're kind of very similar in build in that six, uh, six three, six five range. Um, and I think Io is um, honestly a little bit more of a polished scorer coming out of college than De'Aaron Fox was. But um, we'll see. Um, I think Io's got to be the pick there, just just because of 
you know, what, what he brings to the table right away. And admittedly, I'm, I'm obviously higher on him than other people in drive Twitter are. Yeah, I'm 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 a fan of Io as well. Looking at some of his tape yesterday and and, and reading some of the the scanning reports and such, you know, I sort of fell in love with Butler a little bit just because you know the recency bias. You know, you just love winners. Um, any guy who has a sort of winning pedigree, but you know, you sort of try and, th- and think about you know the prototype of what do the Nets want, what do the Nets need, and uh, as much as I love sort of like you know, get the guy who can contribute now, you know, Sadiq Bay last season, I think a lot of people would have preferred him than Landry Shaman on, on the Nets roster, uh, to be frank. But in saying that, you know, you want to have, you know, a guy that might be able to bridge the gap between, you know, the next version of the Brooklyn Nets. Now, I'm not saying that Mario DeSumo is going to be a, a starter and a starting point guard, you know, in the league going forward. But, you know, you got Claxton, you got DeSumo. It, I think that there's always something intangibly exciting about having prospects still in the roster despite having, you know, like a contending team, you know, your Houston Rockets in, in, in previous iterations, you know, it was built around, you know, that veteran presence of the Mike D'Antoni. You know, the Nets got clacks. They had Jared Allen. They had Karis Avert and these sort of dudes. So I think there's just a, a little bit of intangible excitement. Is, is there any sort of realm where you think that the Nets could go down that route and just go, you know what, we want the most talented dude because Sean Marks has generally gone down when it comes to his picks. He likes to just pick guys that have got a high upside at the same time. Well, I mean, we, we it's kind of like, you know, Nick mentioned at the very beginning of, of the show, Nick Claxton was the definition of that pick. You know, maybe not automatically ready to come in and give you big-time minutes, but it's very evident now that the talent's there. The talent's always been there. I think it's a little different now, so you're looking for not only the talent being there, but also being able to co- in, go in and play big minutes or maybe not big minutes, but, you know, respectable minutes uh, in that second unit because the Nets do have to kind of pick and plug with those three big contracts on the books. Um, But I think you're right, Jack. I think best player available is probably going to be the route that Marks takes. Um, And one thing that really never truly gets looked at, but we have to kind of mention it, is that these guys are coming from situations to where they've been the guy or yep. one of the guys in their you know respective college or international uh, settings, you have to have guys that can come in with a translatable skill set of not having to be the guy, like ball dominant guards. Like Cam Thomas is a guy that I love the fit in Brooklyn, but I also worry a little bit just because I feel like he has to have the ball in his hands to truly make things happen in, in a big way. Butler and DeSumo, not so much the case. So if you can get a guy who not only is able to come in right away and contribute, but also knows his role and can, you know, perfectly execute it, that'd be a home run for the Nets in a respective sense. Yeah, 100%, Don. I think that's spot on. You want to carry value with the roster spot, but then obviously have the opportunity to probably have potential moving forward. And obviously the fit next to playing with superstars and the chances that you might play really sporadically. Like you might not be in the rotation, but they might be load managing, you know, Kyrie, KD, or even force James Harden to do it. And now you're playing, you know, 20 minutes in this next game after you haven't played in a week. So I think definitely having some type of experience and just the right mentality is going to be huge. Don, do you think there's any bigs they could grab at 27 that could have an impact for them? Yeah. Before we get to the bigs, Nick, I wanted to ask a little bit about Cameron Thomas because yep. I've seen him in a couple of mocks go to the Nets with that sort of 27 pick and you know all these sort of guards sort of fit in the same sort of realm. In terms of what, what separates Cameron Thomas, I guess, from some of these other dudes, uh, Dalton? Well, simply put, Jack, I mean, Cam Thomas is a bucket. I mean, 
you know, I don't know why there's this whole defin there's this whole definition or you know dictation uh, debate going on about what what's a basketball player and what's a hooper. Cam Thomas is a Cam Thomas is a hooper, and he he's a guy that um, really you can put on any team in any situation, and he's gonna be able to score in microwaves just because he's just so skilled. Um, there's a lot of concerns about perimeter shooting at the next level, but I think that uh, you know. Um, free throw shooting and his ability to create his own offense will kind of put that to rest early on. I think that's the biggest, you know, um, you know, that's the biggest draw for the Nets is being able to have the luxury of a guy who can come in in a situation and give you, you know, 12 to 13 points a game in a situation if you need him. And, you know, I think one thing for the Nets is, you know, we realize that Kyrie Irving, you know, even James Harden to an extent who I thought was, um, a guy who can never get injured and Kevin Durant, these guys go through injuries more than your average superstar. Now the luxury of having three of them can't be underestimated, but you never know. You could be without two of them and need a guy to come in to, to give you those buckets. So I think that's where kind of the, the lure with Cam Thomas is you kind of overlook the, the stuff that he doesn't give you and realize that he could be like a Zach Levine type guy in the league. Yeah, I think especially if the Nets were to lose Spencer Dinwiddie in free agency, there could be one of these guys that we've just discussed in, in the realms of those guards could be targeted by Sean Marks. And I think all of them provide a level of microwave scoring, you know, just an ability to get a bucket. And, you know, I've said on, on previous pods with Nick, you know, the amount of respect that Kevin Durant has for bucket getters, you, know, you put mm-hmm. one of these guys in the gym and, you know, he hits a bucket on KD in practice, I'm sure that he's going to love it as well. So I think it's Spencer Dimwini is, is, isn't is long for, for Brooklyn. You know, I could certainly see uh, one of these guys uh, in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. And like Dalton said, it kind of gives you just another safety net, you know, just an opportunity because that's what they're really missing when, you know, two of the stars went down. You know, James Harden did play, wasn't himself. They really need someone to help KD with that scoring load. They just didn't have enough. So, you know, that could be an opportunity to grab somebody like that. Like you said, Dalton, that could just grab you a bucket when you need it. Yeah, the key is is to not overthink things. I know it's yep. very easy, especially like. We're, we're at the point now uh, in the draft process where you're overanalyzing prospects and that's really kind of counterproductive. Yep. Um, you know, Cam Thomas, you know, very early on at LSU, I was able to, you know, see that he's going to be able to go in right away next year and score for whoever. Now, how much he's going to be able to score is going to depend on, you know, the perimeter shooting and the situation he's put in. But I think, you know, Sean Marks has, has really kind of stuck in or stuck to his, um, you know, to his guns, stuck to his, you know, intuition on guys like even like a Nick Claxton, because there was a lot of you know, drawbacks to his game. And I think that, you know, once you if you believe that the positives outweigh the negatives, then, you know, full send. And I think uh, Cam Thomas could be a likely option if he's there. Uh, I could also see that scoring option landing him in the late lottery if the stars yep. align right. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Now, Dalton, going back, Jack, do you want to talk about forwards or do you want to talk about bigs first? Yeah, I mean, we can get to the bigs. There's a, a couple of guys I've seen sort of mocked and, you know, I know Ned Staley's reported quite a bit about like Dayron Sharp as, yep. as, a, as a certain prospect yep. that could head there. Um, Nemus, I'm not sure how to say his Kita. last name. Nemus Keita. Yeah, but mm-hmm. trying to watch like a million videos to actually <laughs> see how to pronounce his oh, name and I still man, forget there's, it. There's a handful. There, like there's a guy whose name is Renz Bleichenberg. <laughs> he's, he's kind of become like a kind of a Twitter sensation because he's just – no filter. He's like, okay, teams, uh, my schedule's booked. Um, if you want to work out, you're going to contact me. Um, whoever drafts me, great. Whoever doesn't, you're lost. And I'm like, I love this guy already. <laughs> and it, it's crazy. But, yeah, there's a – I, I got to be honest. I don't see Nemus as a, as a first-round guy. I think, if anything, he's a, he's a prospect at 44. Um, if anything, or wherever you 44, 45, whichever one uh, you'll have. Uh, I think Daron Sharp, however, on the other hand, is definitely um, a possibility. And, and what, what's great about this is it takes a little longer for bigs to develop in the league than any other position just because of what they're being tasked with. Daron Sharp is very raw in a sense, but what he's going to be able to come in right away and do is going to give you a high motor and be able to run both ends of the court. 
and that that's kind of where it's a luxury to have obviously three superstars on a title contender, but he has the time and, um, you know, the patience to be able to develop the right way like Claxton did because you have Claxton and DeAndre Jordan on the roster. So if Dayron Sharp is the pick that kind of shows you uh, DeAndre Jordan's days might be maybe not numbered per se, but the minute they definitely could be. Yeah, well, the minutes allocation could be, you know, in question as well. But um, I think that money's going to get real, real tight. And DeAndre Jordan's making way too much money for what he's bringing to the table. So if they go with a guy like Daron Sharp, I think that's a that's a smart move because you not only get him with a value pick, but you you get him on such a cheap contract in the late first round to where you can keep trying to make ends meet to make sure you're still a title contender. So I like Sharp. I like him a lot. In, in terms of, obviously, the Nets also have Reggie Perry in their roster. You know, got <clears throat> moments to produce a little bit last season in the absence of, of some of the big guys. And it's said that it's more than likely they'll be heading to Summer League as well. He is a decent pedigree, obviously, you know, winning a, a few awards here and there before he was drafted. It, do you see that that adding to a, a glut in the young big man department is, is Sharp just so much better as a prospect than Perry? Would you still go down that route, Dalton? Well, I think it really depends on, you know, what you're looking for Perry to do at the next level. Like, in your all's opinion, what do you see as Marks or, you know, uh, Steve Nash looking as Perry's role in the long term? Is is he a traditional big? Is he a stretch? What what's what do you all think he's going to be? I think he'd be a stretch. I don't think he has the the length to be a true big. And I feel like the Nets have talked about really wanting him to develop his three point shot. Yeah, I think a three-point shot is, you know, he's calling. He also is a free, he's a free agent, too, so he has to kind of earn that spot. You know what I yeah. mean? It's not like he's locked in to be with the Nets long-term. So if they draft a center, it could definitely mean maybe they're not super high on Perry, or he could be somebody that's kind of with the G League or just on another two-way. And even if they are high on Perry like that, you, both things can be true at the same time. They yep. aren't really mutually exclusive just because, you know, there's no such thing as a sure thing in the NBA when it comes to prospects. Yep. I don't care how good the player is. There's no such thing. We've seen that time and time again. Um, so you, you just never know. And definitely with him being a free agent, I think it just adds kind of more security. And what Sean Marks is probably looking at right now is that is a security blanket, like you said. I think that's going to get honed in on over and over in those dra- in the war rooms up in Brooklyn. Um, I think Daron Sharp is going to be a traditional five. Um, not necessarily like a Rudy Gobert can't move uh, outside of three feet of the basket to score, but like he's, I don't think he'll ever like add a true three point shot, maybe a mm-hmm. mid range, but he's going to be kind of one of those hustle guys that uh, like a, like an Isaiah Stewart almost in a sense, maybe on a lesser version. But I think um, anytime you have the ability to add depth, you do it just because there's so much uncertainties over an 82 game season. Plus and like you said, it, so. it gets you the contract, and then that's a player that if you believe in them being a solid player, now you have them on a cheap deal for a couple seasons, and then if you like him, you have the option to retain him with a restricted free agency. No, oh, 100%. Yeah, Sharp's obviously calling card is on the defensive side of the floor. He's He looks like he's got an NBA-ready body as well, which he is does. which is rare to say about a young man and almost 
you know, separates himself from, from Clax, who's still working himself into to that department. If you were to compare the two, I guess, Nick, in terms, uh, sorry, Dalton, in terms of strengths and weaknesses when it comes to, to Sharp, obviously, you know, we know what his sort of defensive calling cards are, quite a sort of traditional center in, in that department. Still have really athletic, not necessarily totally fluid offensively. Whereas Clax has a little bit of that ability, isn't necessarily the biggest bruiser down low. You know, it, I, I'm, 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 I might get flamed on Nets Twitter for this one, but do you think there's a chance that Sharp has a a better, maybe not a ceiling, I think we know Clax has quite a, a pretty high ceiling, but maybe the steadiness and reliability of Sharp is what separates him? Yeah, uh, like you said, there, that uh, his NBA-ready body cannot be understated because there's so many guys that come in and they have to take you know, a year, two, maybe even three seasons to fully get to the point where they're ready to truly contribute. You know, look at Giannis. You know, Giannis yeah. came in to the Bucks, and you know, looking at him now, you would think it was like the Captain America Super Soldier. Super. <laughs> so, um, but their skill set—it's it, crazy because they both kind of had the same trajectory. If you were to ask me, like in February, if Daron Sharp even declares, I'm probably like, eh, no, he probably's coming back one more year uh, to get some more reps. But he really came on at the end of the season. That really reminds me of Nick. You know, Nick came on extremely well at the end of the season. Shout out, Nick! You did you did great in the combines. Appreciate I'm it. Glad to be glad to be on the pod with you. <laughs> but um. Uh, I don't know that I would say he's going to be better than Claxton or even like have like a more of a reliability just because I think I'm very high on Claxton still. I think he's going to continue to take more steps in terms of the strengths and weaknesses. I think, you you know, one guy's more of a, you know, athletic, long type of prospect while the other one is more of a, you know, more of a bruiser, but has, I'd say probably a little more skill, you know, at, at their respective points in the development. I think that, Sharp is more skilled than people want to give him credit for, and he's an s- extremely good passer, great rebounder. Uh, just he's a hooper. I mean, he's not a basketball player; he's a hooper. So uh, <laughs> let's not go down there, though. We don't need to go down that department. <laughs> but uh, yeah, to wrap it up, I think that they're both um, they they bring polarizing skill sets, but they're both high upside guys because what they do have as far as strengths. You know, they do it really well. They execute very well. You know, they play to their strengths, and that's, you know, why they're in the positions they are. Dolan, yeah, do you I'm think a... there's any other bigs that you're kind of looking at 27 that could fit well with the Nets? Uh, uh, you know, there's a, there's one guy who – now, I'm going to butcher this guy's name. Rocco Prakasin. I I've never – that's like one of the two or three names I've never been able to pronounce in this class. Um, he just uh, declared that he's going to return – to his team and not go to the draft. He's only 18, but um, I think that that's a, that's a guy that could have fell a little bit outside of that. Unless somebody just falls completely. Like if Isaiah Jackson falls, which there's probably no way uh, that's going to happen. Um, or Usman Garuba, who he's probably got both those guys are probably going late lottery or in the teens. There's really no other bigs that I would probably take a, take a stab at if I was Brooklyn at 27. Yeah, I think it's best player available, as we sort of said. In terms of the the forwards, Dalton, there seems to be a, a couple of prospects out there that have been either mocked in the first or second round, for that matter, depending on you know the the discrepancy. Who do you think, or who do you like as a as a forward prospect to to join uh, Brooklyn? Um, I keep going back and forth on on Greg Brown. 
who you know height wise, you know he's all, he's almost seven foot, so you would think he's a, yeah. he's a center, but he really plays nothing like it. Um, I've heard that there's some attitude issues there, so you know I don't I don't want you know, I doubt Marks is going with a guy who's going to stink up the locker room or anything like that. So I would probably I could see him falling. Um, forwards, this is kind of one of those you're kind of in no man's land. Like the top forwards, like Trey Murphy. Uh, from Virginia has been a guy that has really risen up boards and he just seems like a guy who's going to get a draft promise to be in the top 20 or top 25. Um, outside of that, if JT Thor falls, he's dead. I, if I'm Brooklyn, I'm pulling the trigger and not thinking twice. There's a lot of potential there. Josh Christopher can play that two or three. I like, I like the, the fit there. And um, if they're sold on him, there's a guy named Jeremiah Robinson Earl who could be worth, um, you know, reaching up to 27. If uh, Brooklyn, it's going to be more of a scouting thing because he's probably mocked in the mid 30s to early 40s. So, yeah, he's the name. In fact, the Brooklyn Nets website actually did, you know, a small feature on him, uh, and, and he seems to be a guy that's getting a, a lot of buzz and a lot of cloud. And you know, there doesn't seem to be an, an, an immense amount of upside, but. There is a, a certain reliability to him, and he is he one of the. It looks like, at least from some of the tape that I've watched, that he's he's a decent enough defender, and, and maybe one of the better defenders and but more versatile forwards when it comes to the defensive side of the floor in this draft. Well, it, it's it's really. I'll tell you, there's a couple schools that if a player goes there, I kind of cringe because it's so hard to evaluate some of these players because of the systems they play in. Uh, like Syracuse is one of them. It's hard to really uh, scout Syracuse players because of that zone that Bayheim uses. But also Villanova is another one, just just due to how sheer balanced they are. You know, Jay Wright's system is always balanced, so it doesn't really call for guys to go out and be stars. I think that JRE is, you know, excellent at being above average. Uh, and that's that's kind of can be misconstrued. I think that he he's solid, but there's a lot of times where I'm like, man, I wish he would have done a little bit more. I think he's a he's a solid rebounder. I think that his offensive toolkit is um, above average. Uh, he's just a smart basketball player, and I think that that's where a lot of the lore comes from. Because you look at a guy like Grant Williams with Boston, uh, yep. kind of the same um, you know trajectory there, just a good feel for the game, high IQ guys that. Uh, you know, Xavier Tillman, that can, that can maybe not create for themselves, but they feed off others well, and they can also create for others because they're good passers. I think that's where a guy like Jeremiah Robinson Earl would come into play for Brooklyn is just the fact that, you know, having a guy that can pass, even when you have, you know, you know Irving, Harden, Durant handling the ball 99.6% of the time when they're on the court, you know, getting a guy that can catch the ball in the low block and dish it out to an to one of those guys that are deadly from deep. I think the the guy who would really be happiest with a Jeremiah Robinson Earl draft would be Joe Harris, just because he'd get a lot of open looks. Yeah, he just seems to be a really high IQ, really smart player who, you know, I've always, I bring up this quote quite a bit and refer to it a little bit in terms of, you know, Bob Myers in terms of, you know, we want basketball is guys who can do like just a lot of different things rather than sort of have a defined skill set you know a la joe harris what he's shown in, in the postseason anyway but uh, i think you just want to get guys and if there's 
It looks to me that there aren't, as, especially he could f- drop to the second round, which I think would be a, a dream for the Nets. But, okay. you know, JRE just looks like a guy who can immediately contribute, maybe in like a, a light, light Sadiq Bay level. Yeah, and yeah. I think you guys pointed out that like his skill set is the type that you want next to superstars. Like you said, high basketball IQ, doesn't necessarily need to do a ton, but he can feed off the other guys and kind of just do what you need him to do. And I think that's crucial, especially someone young and on a cheap contract. Yeah, I, I love JRE. Um, I love his skill set. I think he's just – I've heard a couple of interviews with him. He just seems like one of those guys that really understands the game well. And he'd be one of those rookies to where, you know, you have three great basketball minds, not only on the court, but you also have, you know, a Hall of Fame point guard leading the way as Steve Nash and, you know, the guys in that organization. I feel like, um, you know, I can see Sean Marks and Steve Nash at a dinner with Jeremiah Robinson Earl and leaving and thinking, okay, this is our guy just because of the conversations they could have about the game and just, you know, how it unfolds. And, um, yeah, I I think, Nick, you're you're right. You you get a player that can come in and, you know, you're not going to bring him in to be a star. And, you, like I said, you don't need him. You've got three of them. So the the object is to win, you know, a title or titles. And Jeremiah Robinson Earl is is a nice, cheap get to ensure that you put yourself in the best situation to do so. Is there any world, Dalton, that Isaiah Todd could drop down to 27? Isaiah, I, honestly, I think probably every world. I don't think Isaiah Todd's really going to go that high. But I say that in, in just kind of where I where I have him as a prospect. I think, um, w- does he go late lottery? No, I don't think so. I think he's one of the best drafts since about 2009. So I think if this is any other class, maybe. But I, I could definitely see him go in that late first um, just because he's 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 got a weird skill set in the sense that he plays like a guard, but he's a big man. And you kind of y'all know all about that. Yep. But um, I I just don't know if, if I'm Brooklyn if I go there just because I'm not sure what Isaiah Todd, what his role is at the next level. And if I'm Brooklyn, I'm looking for guys that can come in right away and establish their own role based upon their own skill sets. And I'm just not sure how long it would take for Todd to really kind of carve his his rollout just due to the fact that he might not get a lot of playing time. Yeah, I guess <clears throat> to compare, I guess, to sort of maybe not hard to project. Or yeah, let's just go hard to sort of project in terms of their roles on the Brooklyn Nets team, but you know, have – a lot of skill in terms of, you know, their their bags. JT Thor and, and Isaiah Todd, those two prospects uh, in Bro- in Brooklyn, who do you think fits better, meshes better? Who do you think is going to be a, a better NBA basketballer? I think uh, I think JT Thor is going to be better. Um, you know, he's a, he's one of, you know, draft Twitter's babies. Uh, <laughs> they, they love JT Thor. And I, I, you know, it's crazy. I've seen him as high as five on somebody's big board, which oh, yeah, wow. it's a conversation for a different day. But uh, <laughs> it's just the fact that he's got so much potential. He really kind of reminds me of like an energizer bunny because he never stops running. He's, he's always, you know, going a hundred percent, even if um, he might not be as skilled because there's been, there's a lot of clips of him um, not coming close on shots or making the wrong decision uh, you know, so on and so forth. But just the fact that he's got so much athleticism and the ability to run the floor, and he's shown the, you know, that there's some type of, you know, scoring repertoire there. It's just 
there is kind of a mixed bag. The the development's going to be the big key. If you can unlock his potential, you know, you have a, a fringe all-star level talent, kind of the same with Isaiah Todd, but, you know, that's really where your development team comes into play. So, Yeah, if this was Kenny Atkinson a couple of years ago, I'd, I'd be frothing over one of these guys, but I think that in terms of what the Brooklyn Nets need right now, if, if either of those guys are available, you know, I think that you could do worse. Um, obviously, you know, JT Thor, I think he's just pure athleticism. I think that that's something that the Nets sort of lacked a little bit. You know, Jeff Green was one of our better athletes heading into he's his mid-30s. He's a good defender, 30s. too, and that, I forgot to mention that. That's another thing is, is that the Nets seemingly, like I said, I don't religiously watch the Nets. I'm not a huge fan of Harden anymore. So uh, <laughs> you all can understand, but I, I watched them in the playoffs just because, you know, I love basketball. And without those guys, it just seemed like, even when, you know, Harden was playing, when Durant were on the court at the same time, it just seemed like defensively they kind of struggled, especially, you know, in the front court a little bit. Um, so I, I can see why you would draft both guys. I think if JT Thor is there, you probably take him and don't think, don't think twice. Like, I think that I would love that pick. It really reminds me of Claxton. There's just so much talent there. The, the key is unlocking it. And if they can unlock Claxton's talent, then – you have to believe that they can do the same with JT. And he's got a bad, badass name, like JT Thor. <laughs> yes, that's sick. a great name. Like, I, that's a jersey I'd get if he ever turned into something. Yeah, you yeah. can just imagine Mike Brain saying, Blocked by Thor! <laughs> that would be epic, and I'd play that sound so like. Thor man. drops the hammer. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it would definitely hit that. <laughs> oh, you can imagine the puns for days. Um, another name I wanted to just ask about because – I'm sort of intrigued by him. I don't. I think he's probably in more the Isaiah told Isaiah Todd prototype in terms of his ability to contribute. But Zaid Williams, sort of like a two-y, maybe three sort of dude who's got a bit of three and D potential, but it's a lot of potential more than sort of reliability and productivity. What are your thoughts on him, Dalton? I uh, gotta be honest, not high at all on him, and this really doesn't even stem from last season like I try I watched a lot of games from Sierra Canyon um BJ Boston was on that team Zaire Williams uh Bronny James uh, there's a lot of talent that comes out of that program so I've, I saw them actually play um in a, like a hoop jam fest against uh Jalen Greenstein and Jalen Green absolutely went off um but Zaire Williams you know was also a top 10 prospect you know recruit coming out of high school there's a lot of games where I watched of him just just I I didn't come away impressed. Watched a lot of film on him at Stanford. You know, still wasn't moving the needle with me. I think if he's I don't think he'll be there at 44, but if he's there, that's where I would take him. I think if you take him at 27, I'm like, eh, I guess there's the potential for there. There's a possible talent there, but I'm gonna be honest, I I haven't seen much from him that that's kind of pushed the needle for me. I guess sort of piggybacking off what you sort of said about the the second round, you know, 44, 49, um, and, and the, the and the 50s for, for the Nets as well. Where do you think the value is in that second round, Dalton? Where do you think the, whether it's a type of player, whether it's any of the names that we've discussed, who's likely to, who could be likely to drop? I think JRE is probably the one that seems most likely in my eyes, at least, you know, in my, you know, amateur eyes. But where do you think that value does lie in that second round? Could the Nets get Nikola Jokic 2.0? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure about that, but it's weird because it's, it's like a, it's kind of like a, a, a tale of two cities in a sense, because on one side you have a lot of, uh, you know, untapped 
maybe not like untapped, but um, there's a lot of potential in some of these players that just haven't been able to put it together yet, like a um, like a Zaire Williams, in my opinion. But uh, B.J. Boston is a prime example of being in that spot. Um, and then you have, on the other hand, you have guys that some of them were really successful in college, but either they aren't big enough or they're a tweener or maybe they don't maybe they lack the offensive skill set to really make a big impact in the league I think that there's a lot of like uh there's a lot of tweeners in this class you know like uh and one guy that I men- mentioned to uh, uh one of my Nets buddies that lives here in Louisville is a guy like Carly Jones especially in the late second round had had a great draft combine um he's probably six foot so he's, he's obviously not big enough to be truly a, a, a NBA prospect, but um, I, I really love his skill set. And there, there's a lot to love about him. There's a lot of solid guys that won't get drafted just based upon measurables alone, and I that that's kind of where I can't stand you know the NBA draft. But um, yeah, so it's kind of one or the other. You either fit into one category or the other, or you're just. Uh, I don't even know what a third category would be. That pretty much kind of incorporates all of them. Nick, is there anything else I guess you wanted to ask Dalton about about the draft overall or how it sort of pertains for the for the Nets this year? Dalton, what do you think in terms of where the Nets have their picks? Where do you think they can get the most value? You know, be it guard, be it forward, mm-hmm. be it center. Yeah, so I mean, there there's a really like I said, it just kind of depends on who's there. Um, I think there's a, there's a couple bigs that you can look at. If you don't go Dayron Sharp at 27, Jack, you mentioned uh, Nemus Keita from uh, Utah State. Um, uh, there's Charles Bassey out of Western Kentucky is a good player there. Jericho Sims, uh, even a guy like Greg Brown um, or Vrenz Bleisenberg. Uh, I love that fit there. Philip Petrusev or, you know, there's some guards, David Johnson, Carly Jones, Joel Ayayi. Um, Aaron Henry, guys like Kessler Edwards that you can put into a system and they'll be able to, you know, give you some decent minutes off the bench. Ultimately, I guess the final question, Dalton, what do you think Sean Marcus does with these picks? You know, there have been pretty strong rumors that, you know, that 27 pick gets attached with DJ in some form or trade. You know, others are saying, you know, it could be 44 and, and 49 they get attached with it. Um, what do you think Sean Marks does? You know, he, he doesn't really keep it pick very often. Um, we saw Lash obviously traded it for, for Landry Shaman in that three-way trade with, with uh, the Clippers uh, as well as Detroit. What do you think happens on draft night for the Brooklyn Nets? Um, I think the luxury of having three second-round picks um, would probably uh, make Sean Marks probably pull the trigger at 27 on a prospect. I think you could probably trade you know, DJ and maybe all – three of the second rounders if that's what a team wants it really just kind of depends on the return that you're looking to get from D- for dj and that'll kind of tell you whether that 27 pick goes or not uh gut feeling if you made me decide i think that honestly i think that the nets take somebody at 27 and if they don't package any of the seconds with with the dj trade i think that they probably look to trade all three of those and move up probably not into the late first round but right there in the early second round yeah, definitely could see it, especially like you said, Dalton. Sean Marks is one of those guys that kind of locks on a prospect, and he might move up to try to get him, especially in that second round. I think he did that with Nick Claxton. But, Dalton, anything else you think Nets fans need to know about the draft? Um, I, I think that you're, like I said, I I, I think the world of Marks had a piece a couple years back of how I thought he, he was uh, 
you know, one of the best GMs in recent memory for what he's been able to do. I think he's going to make the right decision. Uh, him drafting Nick Claxton shows that uh, his head's in the right place. Um, I would just, you know, caution to, you know, let things play out, you know, let, let prospects be able to develop. But I think that this is one of the best and deepest drafts of, you know, of in recent memory. So um, I think that you're in good hands and you're in a good spot, even though, you know, it's not a top, you know, 14 pick or so. Sounds good. Yeah. yeah, I I mean, going back to to Sean Marks, you know, when he does have picks, unless it's Jean-Anne Moussa, he generally does hit, you know, Carol Sever, Jared Allen, Nicholas Claxton, you know, Rodion's coach in the second round. Reggie Perry obviously is yet to be proven, but, you know, the picks that Sean Marks has had, you know, for the most part, he's he's struck gold, you know. For guys in the 20s to be, you know, fringe all-stars, really solid rotation players, you get that every day of the week. So if he does take it, I'm really intrigued to see what what does happen at 27. Yep. Dalton, appreciate you hopping on, filling us up with some knowledge before the draft. We really appreciate it. Um, appreciate everybody listening. And Jack, always a pleasure.